0: Hello and welcome to Wall. My name is Elvis and as always, I'm your host. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a short one. We again have nothing to talk about in what I watched this week, although I will dip into the few episodes of the newest season of Sabrina that I have watched, so that'll be there at least. And well, we do have kind of surprising movie and television news to get through, so let's rip the band-aid off first and get through the news that apparently J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot have supposedly inked a deal with Warner Brothers to produce just like Dark inspired movies and TV shows and that's really awful. I might like stuff like Overlord but it's only really when they give some cash and let the creator do the work for a limited budget that these folks over at Bad Robot do anything resembling something watchable and just like dark or at least the dark line of characters associated with them deserve more than how they handle blockbusters in general. They deserve more than bad, melodramatic, overly produced and hollow movies and TV shows. And so I hope if anything that whatever they come up with is a little bit more of the hands off creative leaning mindset but I doubt it, fingers crossed though and that they Things don't get ruined so badly. Secondly we have the announcement that the directing team behind Captain Marvel won't be returning for the sequel and I only bring this up because apparently this news was enough to get fans up in arms which was a shock to me because I couldn't make heads or tails on whether or not Captain Marvel even had a director let alone a pair of them. It seemed more to me that Disney just like a camera on a tripod and press record. I doubt whoever comes on board next is gonna have a problem lining things up style-wise because it seems like a really easy style to replicate. And lastly, in movie news, we have the rumors that apparently America Chavez might be introduced in Doctor Strange 2. And you know what? I don't really care what they do with America Chavez. I know a lot of people are getting up in arms about that too. But hopefully, whatever they do with Doctor Strange 2 or a Disney Plus show with America Chavez is, at the very least, not what they did in the comics, where they made her an embarrassing caricature and an alien from alternate dimension who was only culturally appropriating Latin culture. So that was some dark times, and I hope that whatever they do can at least be interesting and engaging and respectful, which is everything the character isn't right now unfortunately. And lastly in entertainment news in general, we have the TV news that Seth Rogen is going to be producing yet yeah, another comic book show, this time Fear Agent from Remender No Pena's Image comic series. Hopefully it turns out good, but I'm calling it Dead on Arrival like all this other schlock, so you know, my condolences to those fans. And, funnily enough, this leads to some really fun comic news, which is that Garf Ennis, Russ Braun, and Derek Robertson are returning to create a new sequel series to The Boys titled The Boys, Dear Becky. It'll apparently be part prequel, part interquel, and part sequel, and explore the world of the series 12 years after the finale. Ennis has said that one of the main pillars of the new series will be his attempt to flesh out and explore the character of Becky Butcher, and I can't wait. I hope it turns out to be damn good, even though The Boys comic series before was very variable. The stuff that related to Butcher related to his backstory and related to everything around him was really hard-hitting and honestly very impressive and I hope that if this new series mission statement is about going into what made Becky Butcher tick then it's already starting off on a great foot. So fingers crossed and I can't wait. I really can't. Now we can move on to what I read this week. First off we have a basket full of heads number four. This series is still going strong and now that we know it's already more than halfway through I hope that it knows what it's doing. Seven issues seems like a pretty arbitrary number to And things that. And right now it's still feeling like things are just getting set up. It's still well done. Well executed. And I'm enjoying being in the story with these characters. But if you told me there were only three issues left. I would be shocked. The main character has pretty much only just now got the axe. And only sort of cutting on to what that means. And it's like 60% over already. So I mean I won't put off any points for that. Because maybe it'll all come around the end. But what matters here is that it still has that genuinely fun and cheesy old school EC comics feel. With some skeevy and corny filters put over it and giving it some extra kick. There's great human touches given to the main character from both the writing and the art. They only play that up to the hilt. She's so endearing and likable that when blood starts getting spilled by her it packs a punch. You feel for her so you're invested and the situation is so over the top and horrific that you get the zest along with it. You can just sort of delve into just the fun nitty grittiness of just this insanely gory, in air quotes, style comic. There's a great balance between the cliches, the goofballness, and the gritty aspects that make this a wonderfully fun read every month. And I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to see where this character goes. I can't wait to see how she gets out of all this. And I'm just on the edge of my seat here. So I, I can't wait for next month. Overall, two thumbs up. Next up we have Red Hood and the Outlaws number 42. This is probably the best Red Hood issue since it was just rebranded into Outlaw. Bringing back Bizarro and Artemis plus the new dynamics with the Legion of Doom junior kids has breathed new life into the series. It's given us a more entertaining, more engaging, and all-around more readable core. It doesn't feel as hollow or as kind of strict anymore but actually has a damn decent lively quality to itself. Bizarro bonding with the Doom kids as a pseudo sage or mentor is adorable and heartwarming and just to see them come together makes those kids who were previously not that interesting a lot more interesting because now there's so much dynamics going on between them and the bond that Artemis and Jason have already being reignited is thrilling to see. These two characters balance off each other so well and the moment they share about the aftermath of heroes in crisis feels so natural and earned and it makes the time apart that much more useful because now you see how much they've grown but how much they still connect to each other and that's that's just so beautiful i love it and more than anything else from that event at least this makes it well really palpable and really tangible there's still tension in this issue the heart is still here and the warmth is still there and having this true back together is what makes that possible and it's the best thing and that's kind of all this issue has and it's just taking stock in these characters and where they stand now. And where they're standing now is pretty damn good. So I hope the next issue takes advantage of it. I hope we don't have these characters back just for more boring side stories. I think the last time we had a lot more interesting things going on with the whole who the hell is Solitaire thing and the attempts to try and expand the Trinity roster. And I hope that we're not going to get sidelined again from that. So overall two thumbs up. Moving ahead we have Metal Man number four and I think this series is finally selling itself down as something special. What sticks out to me the most is that it seems to have a really good mesh between actually doing something dramatic with these characters and really adding and exploring this darker sheen to everything with fun small adventures that you would expect. It doesn't overplay one or the other. It doesn't drag itself into some unreadable, unentertaining, unengaging muck but it doesn't neglect why people like these characters in the first place. You get both, and it makes for a powerful punch combined together. It shifts back and forth, and the dichotomy and the contrast work together so well. It emphasizes and highlights the stuff that need to be highlighted, and they land with such impact and engagement. It's wonderful. Is this series somehow perfect now? No. I don't think Magnus and his character shift this maxi is founded on is ever going to work for people. But how they're handling the drama and the heartening somber beats that are springing out from this feel substantial and satisfying. It hits. And it hits hard. Things feel like they have weight and that they make sense because of where these characters are right now. It makes me wonder if the deal could have written a better version of Tom King's It's a Miracle than Tom King did. I mean perhaps that's the feeling I'm getting. Overall this max series is so far feeling like an actual story with purpose and intent. Hopefully when things start coalescing together and that we have to start tackling the problems head-on that it doesn't just fall apart because that would be a complete shame. But right now it's pretty damn fun. Plus we get Kevin Ko Omac back. It's an amazing moment and brought a huge smile to my face. I think the last time we saw him like as a character was like four or five years ago and since then just on a variant cover. So it's great to see Kevin Comack back and if this series can keep the balance up then it might turn out to be well like I said something really special and worth finding out about years on the line. Overall two thumbs up. And lastly we have American Jesus The New Messiah number 2 and I'm so glad this issue came out. I've been waiting for the second volume ever since I read the original miniseries and I have to admit like I said last month things that happened in the first issue put me on edge. I think that there were some missteps and that it felt too much like Millar's old school style of writing from like the early 2000s which was nice for continuity but it led to a lot of weird and out of place and very janky kind of moments and the whole situation felt like a monkey's Pa at the time because I had been so anticipating this miniseries. This new issue though, it works wonderfully. It manages to capture or get a reasonable facsimile of the charm and attitude I was expecting from this story. Millar had such a verve in the afterword for the first volume about the kind of Jesus he wanted to write and we finally get a taste of that in this one. The character is bold, daring, and very confident and makes the issue worthwhile because that's what the course should be. It should be the character asking the questions, finding themselves, and thinking for themselves. That's really the way To finding a true reconciliation with faith on your own for yourself and I think that's where this is going and the groundwork is done so well here because you're so emphatic for the character and you feel for them and you understand them and it makes their realizations and their doubts so much more engaging so much more appealing to invest in and well I already have I think that they are already a standout character I do wish we had seen more of them but right now for what we see there's an immediate impression on me and I can't wait to see where they go from here the writing Still has a very early 2000s tinge to it, but I think we're past the hump here. It's funny though because I even saw on Twitter that someone had asked Millar if he was dropping black pills, and I'm like, oh my god, is this insanity? Because that's the kind of reaction I would expect from Millar with like Wanted, Dirty, and Funnies. It's very out there and like want to be shocking at moments and like want to be edgy and hip that. Of course people are asking if he's like red-pilled or black-pilled, and it's ridiculous to see, and I hope that the final issue sets down an actual mission statement for this. But you know what? I'm enjoying it. The actual Messiah character is interesting, the conflict is understandable, engaging, and really simple to feel for. It's still a shame that it's only three issues, but it's been a shocking and then shockingly amicable ride so far. Overall, one thumb up, one thumb middle. And now we can head on into what I watched this week. The only thing I watched this week was a couple of the first episodes of the newest season of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And already, it's exactly what I expected. It still has the overbearing and shallow pop culture references As way of substance like it's still putting forth too much references and winks and nods instead of any actual character content or story content or narrative structure which is lame and it's very boring and very obvious and it's not interesting at all it's not something that you should use to prop up the series. It's not as terribly hollow as I expected. They are trying to work their way around things and trying to engage with the plot threads they have on some level but the way they're going about it is still very weak and very amateurish. Like you have this entire subplot in an episode where Sabrina has to, as now the new queen of hell, reap souls to bring back to hell. And she goes through this whole thing about who deserves to really go to hell. And she meets a person, a kindly old man, who Sold his soul to become a really great chess player. And I'm like, oh, this is clearly a very egotistical and petty reason for selling your soul. She'll see that, hey, maybe people sell their souls for really dumb reasons, and that's what they should live with. Instead, She just sends that guy to heaven, which I don't understand how that's even a thing she can do. Because how the scene plays out is that there are two cars. We only see the first car, though, which is a black limousine that's there to send people to hell. And she's like, no, she was this car. And there's a white car there that's clearly a heaven car. Now, did she call the car? Can she... Create the car? Was the car always gonna be there? Does God or the angels or whoever not know that he sold his soul to hell? And if she created or called the heaven car, are they gonna accept that guy's soul in heaven anyway? It makes no sense because he didn't repent. He was like, Oh, I guess it's time for me to go to hell. So he didn't repent or anything like that to like Jesus or anything or find his way. It's ridiculous. It really is. And then this plot gets even weirder because the next soul she has to reap is a serial killer. And she's like, Oh, I guess it's okay for him to go to hell. But that kind of makes me feel like the intent here is to say see that guy didn't need to go to hell because he was just someone who wanted to be a good chess player and not a serial killer but the thing is he still sold his soul for this insanely petty and self-serving reason it doesn't make it any less worse just because the next person is a serial killer you're not absolved from your sins because of how small or tiny they are compared to or relative to someone else's sins that's ridiculous and overall An insanely bad message to try to impart on people. And it makes no sense. It really doesn't. Other than that. The show still has the same kind of problems. Where it's too overproduced. It's too lackluster. It's too wannabe hip. The characters are just so melodramatic. And over the top and soapy. And none of the plots really engaged on that level. It's not something that you can be interested in other than hey look there's a reference to Hellraiser and a nice 80s pop song. Well that's all this show is. I have to say though it's not as bad as season one so far. It's not as bad as season two got near the end so far and overall I still enjoy the character of Theo. I think that they're really fun and they have their own little plot about romance going on and I hope that goes well because I want to see Theo succeed unlike Harvey, unlike Roz, like Sabrina. They're actually a sensible character that has actual inner motivation that isn't solely self-serving they're honestly dealing some stuff and trying to make it through life on their own terms and I respect that so fingers crossed that that turns out well and that they aren't ruined in future episodes but overall one thumb middle one thumb down because it's not as bad but it's also really really dumb and finally, we can head on to listener questions. We have one question this week from the amazing AkiCat on Twitter. And their question is, what do I think about Star Wars The Clone Wars? And am I excited for the final season? Well, I just started getting into Star Wars The Clone Wars from a great friend on Twitter. You can find them with their handle at OilyWhispers68, who have been recommending me arcs that they think I'd be interested in. And I've seen two of them so far. One is with the whole mortis Forest arc, and another with Yoda on his whole Midichlorian Will's quest, and those two arcs, I think seven episodes in total, were really fun. I had a great time with them. It is kind of weird to try and get used to these new voices this art style and the way the characters move and function in this universe it can feel kind of dry in the way that watching the prequels used to be kind of dry to my eyes although by the end of the last episode of the Yoda arc I was really into it I thought that they worked great I thought the voices sounded really fun and that the storytelling was really effective and I'm really excited I'm really excited to get more than this series I have a chronological order list I'm going to try to get through that that I really do want Set some time aside for the Clone Wars, but so far, my first impressions are that the hype is real. These stories, they know what they're doing, they know how interesting they should get, they know how to handle these characters and these ideas a lot more effectively than a lot of other things have. It feels very true to Lucas's sort of quasi out there pseudo supernatural spiritual kind of BS, but without feeling disingenuous or like hokey. It doesn't feel too hokey, and I think that's really the key there. It feels like it's taking it very seriously and very very hearteningly with a touch of a genuine emotion here and that's great like it really does showcase the vision that could have been if maybe there had been someone there who respected Lucas's vision but also knew how to make that interesting and engaging to a broader audience so I can't wait to see more and I can't wait to see the final season when I get to it hopefully when that comes out they can re-update these chronological lists so that I can watch it seamlessly can't wait for it and, well, just put a smile on my face, too, because I had so much fun with it. Overall, two thumbs up so far. And thank you for that question, AkiCat. It was a great question. I'm excited. I really am. And it was just so fun to relive and to ponder why I enjoyed this episode so much, because I really, really did. Great having a question from you. I always enjoy yours a ton. Anyway, that's it for listening to questions this week. As always I want to say thank you to everyone out there who sent in a question, comment, or topic. You guys mean so much to me, and I always enjoy answering and discussing those to the fullest of my ability. So thank you so much. And if anyone out there has own question, comment, or topic you want to hear or discuss on the show, you can always find me on Twitter at T-H-E- underscore S-N-I-C-K-M-A-N. I want to give a shout out to the cover artist for the show at D-O-T-E-M-C-E-E. Please them out, give them a follow. They really deserve it. And so that's it for this week. Have a great week and see you again next time.